più Zet International Zendation What good is sitting alone in your room Come hear the music play Life is a cabaret, old chum Hello and welcome to the Society Podcast, where we take you on a time-hopping journey through queer cinema, going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. I am your host, Dave Giannini, and I'm here with my co-host, Manish Mother. Manish, welcome back to another episode of Queer Now. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. So this one, you know, I, I like to give our audience, you know, our, our millions and millions of listeners, obviously, a uh, little <laughs> behind the scenes of what goes on. Oh, yeah, they're claiming uh, we, for that gossip. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. Like, come on, it's a queer show. We got to we gotta give them Spill the behind the, the scenes. It's, that's right. Yes, you can say that. I'm not saying that as a white, as a white, a white queer person. I am not going to be that person who, who co-ops. Oh, as if I have any license to gonna... say it. <laughs> well, it's, it feels a little, a little more real coming from you than it does from me. Um, so we were originally. What was the movie we were originally going to do? Because it was not going to be ladies they talk about. Uh, uh, stage mother. Stage Mother, which uh, couldn't find anywhere. So this is the difficult part about doing our older decades. Uh, if you want to see a movie from the 90s, I mean, almost all of them are available. Whether it's a physical copy or like a streaming copy, you can find it. Uh, but every once in a while, a movie from the 30s, they're like, ah, nope, nope, that you can't have that. Like, that's not a thing that exists. So we had to kind of, you know you know take a little turn and we start and i started to do some research and then i find out ladies they talk about from 1933 starring barbara stanwick is like i think seen as like the first women's prison picture which is kind of a you know like when you're talking about subgenres of queer film i think that fits in sometimes maybe not in the most positive way maybe super male gaze uh stuff going on but i thought like oh this will be interesting to talk about and also frankly i was excited to talk about it because as we've talked about in other movies we've covered there's these there's like probably 20 or 30 huge female stars that like you have to talk about and a lot of them i haven't seen that many of their movies like barbara stanwick uh just double indemnity that was the only one of her movies i'd ever seen before ladies they talk about so i was like oh good we can actually we can talk about this too and especially like we always like to talk about you know queer people behind the camera in front of the camera and of course you know no one from this time really, you know, admitted to the media yeah. what was going on. But, but there were, I would say, enough rumors substantiated about Barbara Stanwyck that she was at the very least bisexual, yeah. uh, if not lesbian. Like there was rumored affairs. I think you had you had showed me this link of like you know top ten, uh, essentially top ten lesbians of old Hollywood. I think she was number nine, so she was known. Uh, so I think it's safe to talk about her as a queer person um, in front of the camera for this movie. Yeah, um, I think. You know, the, the, I guess, like, the cool thing about Barbara Stanwyck is that, like, she was just one of those kind of, um, just, like, I don't know, broads? <laughs> like, yes. 
<laughs> like, you know, you think of, like, Elaine Stritch or, like, Katherine Hepburn or, like, <laughs> any of those that, you know, that, you, like, everyone kind of knows, like, saucy broads. It's, like, all you can really yeah, call them. Brassy. <laughs> yeah, brassy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, like, you know, looking at that list, I was, like, everyone on that list was just, like, yeah, like, I didn't know, but it totally makes sense. And I'm just, right. like... You know, like, you just think of, like, a woman in that time period wearing, like, slacks and, like... But I think it's just, like, they had this um, image of just, like, being so powerful and not, like, and resisting sort of the institutionalized male gaze that, like, it makes Mm -hmm. sense that there might also have been an element of, like, queerness there because they're just so outside of the uh, patriarchal kind of system of, like, you know, demure woman, women, right? Right. I mean... Yeah, yeah, Yeah. no, it's it's interesting because they're both outside of it and, like, inside of it and holding their own. Like, if you look at at this movie, like, the way it starts, like, she's surrounded by men, but weirdly, like, she's the one they look to. Right. Like she not, might not be the head of the gang, but she has their respect. And and honestly, like let's get this out of the way. This is a phenomenal performance by Barbara Stanwyck. Oh yeah. Like absolutely. from from the moment she's on screen, which is the first moment of the film, you know, not only is this a movie star, but this is a an actress who is in ultimate control. Like she says so much with just this, like the little smirk, the little upturn of her lips. Uh, and her kind of play acting a woman in distress and the way that switches within the first couple minutes of this movie. And, you know, immediately that she has played everyone for a fool. Like, oh, my God. Like, she's yeah. great. Like, it was one of those performances where I'm like, I want to see everything she's ever done. Like, this yeah. is like I love Double Indemnity. I think it's one of it's easily in the top five, top ten noir movies of all time. Yeah. And just yeah. one of the greatest films ever made. I think it's uh, just about perfect. But like. I kind of like this performance better. It's certainly not a better movie. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, better than Double Indemnity. <laughs> but this performance in a vacuum, like I, it's one of the few times. Like we talked about shorter movies last time, and this is a short movie that flies. Like this one, there are no pacing issues. It just goes and goes and goes, and it's like 69 minutes. Uh, and I kind of wish it was longer. Yeah, like I, I, I could have watched I, another like 20 <laughs> minutes of it. Yeah, at least. Like I just think, yeah. I just think she's so great, and you know. Take a, take aside the fact that like I'm a bisexual man and she is beautiful. Like oh my god, like just a goddess to look at. But like just the performance on its own, like oh my goodness, like she owns every scene she's in. And even when, even when she's going down for this crime, she still feels like she's in control. You know, yeah. she's going to take her shots, which I really enjoyed. Well, I, I it's this level of like just dignity she has but it's like not even like like long-suffering dignity you know like in a movie that right. you know, i don't know if you've seen like stella dallas but like she really um she tones down this sort of like toughness i mean she's very tough in that movie but not very like outwardly tough she has this like long-suffering mother thing and i mean it's a great performance there as well but here it's like she just is like just has this air of just like i don't care you know like yeah. i'm gonna like, take i'll take the shots like, that you like you know i'll take the punch and i'll you know go to jail or whatever but like as she knows that she has a way out and um 
And I, I really, yeah, I totally, totally agree that, like, this movie just has this central performance that's just, like, you can't take your eyes off it. I mean, like, you just can't. Like, yeah. it's just so... Like, I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, it really... Um, it actually really annoyed me because, you know, you don't really see women's pictures like this anymore where it's, mm-hmm. like, actually a gangster movie, but it's solely intensely focused on you know, on the woman. I think anytime you have a kind of, you know, like a movie like, um, I'm trying to think of like a crime movie that's centered around women, but like, um, it's like the kind of thing where it's like they're, uh, like, I don't know, I just feel like with this movie, like, crime movies, like they can, you know, like we've seen so many great female characters in crime movies, right? Like, especially in like a Scorsese movie, but like, they're just not sure. so like zeroed in on, you know, on the on on that character, and also like even if the woman is the main character, they kind of take on this like masculine thing, and it's like right, um, they just become like men, like a movie like The Kitchen or something like that, or like Ocean's <laughs> Eight, which is like they just like become men, but like women, <laughs> right? Right. Like, in this, and like, even in, like yeah. there's. There's even movies where they kind of call that out. Like you, you take a movie like Widows, yeah, oh, where they're yeah. kind of they're they're definitely playing with that, and they say like, oh, they think they we don't have the balls to do this. Like it's very it's very clearly gendered. And I was thinking about as I was watching this movie, I was thinking about another movie that we covered in The Public Enemy, and The mm-hmm. Public Enemy I think is probably overall like a objectively a better movie, but mm-hmm. I find this movie so much more interesting. Like there's yeah. so much more going on. Like you you mentioned like you know kind of even if i'm going to go to jail i'm going to i'm going to kind of have my way in whatever way i can and i love the little subplot of this guy who put her in jail constantly writing her these letters and her just going nope not even going to read them like that yeah. is it's the only power she has left but she's going to wield it until he becomes useful and despite that like you still root for her you don't uh, like I'm watching this movie the whole time. Like there's never a moment in this movie where I'm like, Oh, she's terrible. She should end up with that guy and she should do this. She should do that. You're like, yeah, good for you. Cause you didn't, I mean, not like she didn't do anything wrong, but it's not like she was robbing the bank. Right. Like she was, you know, outside, she was doing her thing. She was playing her part. Uh, and also that, <laughs> that scene when she gets into the bank is comedy gold. Like yeah. she plays that so perfectly. And especially yeah. It's right after a scene where you see how duplicitous she can be on the phone. So to see her do it in person, like you get to kind of yeah. relive that joy, like right afterwards. And, With that punchline of a dog. Short. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so I love it. Like it's just everything she does really, really works here. What I love about the romantic subplot in this movie is that you can tell that that guy David David Slade that's his name. Yeah, um, it's always a David. These God, assholes. they're all they're also basic. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> I mean, really, they actually are. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, um, like you think that, like, he thinks that he's going to be this like savior, and he'll kind of like deign to to marry her, even though she's a criminal and he's a you know attorney or whatever. Um, but by ripping up the letters, she's really taking away that power from him. And, you know, my favorite phrase, he has, he develops bottom energy because he's like, yes. he's like needs to, um, 
he's just like become so helplessly like please let me save you and she's like uh no and i think it's even similar with every man that she meets especially in that opening sequence with you know the the bank teller and you know the other criminals is that she just like doesn't let them play the roles that they want to play for her um and instead waits until it's like the right time for that to happen and then she kind of will play them and then you know do what she got what she has to do so i i and like i I feel like this kind of character is just like so rare these days i mean I, th- I think it's rare for the 1930s as well, but I think you saw more of it. I mean, especially with, you know, actors like Stan Wick or Betty Davis or Joan Crawford. Like, any of these actors, like, they always kind of balance that line between, you know, damsel and villain and protagonist, antagonist. You know, they always played with it. But right. it's just, like, something we lost, you know, I guess, you know, when, you know, the, like the like Francis Ford Coppola Scorsese George Lucas generation came about like they kind of learned the long the wrong lessons from watching these like 30s movies over and over yeah yeah I'm really glad you brought that up because it was something that I've been thinking about a lot because as I mentioned on the last episode I do this other podcast called um, Awards Don't Matter where we look at the you know the the best picture winners and all the nominees and it's easy and reductive to say like, oh, we've come so far, right. right? Things are so much more even in film now, blah, blah, blah. But like, man, if you watch these movies from the 30s and 40s, there is a certain, not only glamour, but there's a certain way that these films present women that actually is like kind of shockingly revolutionary that we really don't have anywhere. I think almost like the the subtlety of the way characters are written have like has kind of removed that, you know, that attack mode that we used to have in these in these older films. And you, know, you mentioned her and you mentioned Betty Davis. I mean, those those are women that like weirdly like those roles don't exist now. Yeah. Really. It's almost because it's like, oh, well, that's too stereotypical, just swinging on the other side of it. And I'm like, I miss that. I miss those those female performances that are like essentially pointing their finger at you angrily. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm going to do and you're going to like it because I own this screen. And you definitely get that. Get that with Stanwick here. Like, just 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 an incredible performance and not not something that everyone can do and it was something that was really not only enjoyable to watch but like i guess the only word and it seems ridiculous but like thrilling yeah yeah to see this performance and you're just like wow like i can't believe i'm seeing this and i think we have this idea about movies from the 30s and 40s like oh they're so terrible to women and sure that exists absolutely you know the the gender politics of the 1930s not super great for women not like it's super great now but it's much worse in the 30s but there was this uplifting of the female star that doesn't really exist now and maybe that's just because the movie star is kind of dead now and this was like the studios propping their stars up so they could make a lot of money but still it's really fun to watch so i i I do think that um, female movie stars are uplifted nowadays, but it's it's a different way to do it, and I think that's sort of the nuance here. 
Uh, because I think, you know, when you watch a movie like, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to, like, okay, like, let's look at, like, the Marvel movies, right? Like, those are the kind of the closest things we have to, Ooh, like, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, when, when I look but at, yes. like, when you look at, you know, like, a Captain Marvel or, um, you know, or even, like, any of the, like, classic Avengers movies or, like, Guardians, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think what happens is that, like, they uplift these women in a way that feels, like, kind of patronizing, which is, like, yes. you're not going to be three-dimensional. You're not going to have all this stuff to do, but we're going to say, like, you know, you know, girl power. And, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the sort of iconic moment of this is the that scene in Endgame, which is, like, you know, the girl Ugh. Avengers thing, which is so condescending and so, like, vomit. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, there's, like... You know, not to use that dumb phrase, but like they think they did something, and right. um, and I mean, I think the only one of those movies that gets this right is Black Panther because you have like I don't know, like mm-hmm. thirty women in that movie that just like have right? these like complex characters and, add and there's a things. reason they're in the same yeah. place together. Yeah. And it, and and I think the other thing is there's you know there's a certain idea that almost like these, especially female characters and some like POC characters, like almost like they have to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Right. They have to do all the right things. And like, there's no room for growth. There's no room for foibles. Yeah. And here, like, you know, Barbara character is clearly not the best person. Right. But yet she gives you someone to root for because of the system that she's involved in. And that becomes, that goes from being metaphorical to literal when she is put in prison uh, instead of any of the men. And she like very clearly is like, I'm not going to rat anybody out, but now she's in that system. And I think that's where, you know, I think there's already queerness in this um, before that point. You know, we talked about like queering the narrative and turning things on their head. But then of course, once you get into a women's prison, you know, there's some obvious stuff that goes on and some less obvious stuff. Like she very quickly makes a best friend, which I think you could read that relationship as queer, but it's a stretch. I think the only one that you can really see truly coded as queer, there is a there's a woman in the bathroom who is always smoking cigars, right? So you got this yeah. very masculine attitude. Right. And then basically, kind of offensively, everyone's like, watch out for her. She likes to wrestle, which is very clearly like yeah. this woman is gay. Like, I don't, yeah, there was yeah. no question in my mind, that's what they were going for, you know? So, uh, that's when I think you start to get the queerness, and of course, it's the 1930s, so they're gonna make kind of a joke about it. Like, this is not the, like, the women's prison picture from the 70s and 80s. This is not chained heat, you know? This is not. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, they're not gonna go full bore into that stuff. But, I like the fact that it's it's weirdly like that the scenes where she kind of meets her her best buddy in there on the inside um it's actually reminiscent of like a high school movie where she's like guiding her through the quad i was gonna say it reminded me of like um (laughs) like mean girls or um yeah like uh just like it's Honestly, this, this or clueless, like, yeah, like like these are the druggies. These are the people right, you look out right. for. These are the cool people. Here's their seat at the table, you know. And I was like, wow, this is really like this idea is so old. Like that feels like an '80s thing to me. Yeah, right. The like high school coming of age movie when it got huge, and and later when like things like not another teen movie were spoofing that. 
right? Or even something like The Breakfast Club that like has these like main characters and pigeonholes them into these groups. But you have it all the way back in the 30s. So that was I, that uh, was kind of cool to see as I was watching this. I, like, I wow, definitely okay. thought of like um, like The Breakfast Club or like something like that when like her privileges get taken away and they're all like, "Oh man, my privileges." <laughs> <laughs> For sure, it's very it's very high school. Like this movie made prison look really fun, and I'm like, man, like to be in a women's prison in the 1930s. Like, <laughs> I know, right? So that's why when those privileges get taken away, you do feel really bad for her yeah. because, like, yes, it's not great, but like this is the life she's living, right? But so, it's also you know, like, I mean, if you think about it, like this movie, I felt like is very much about like the hypocrisy of law enforcement. Um, oh yeah, you know, like. I mean, I think, like, the first example of this is, like, David being like, hey, let's make out and get married and have babies. And then, like, she's like, oh, by the way, like, I, I was the lookout or whatever. And he, like, on a, you know, a snap of his finger, he completely changes and throws her into jail. And I was like, hello, nice guy. <laughs> like, And, like, he's and he's not even man enough to actually say it. Yeah, yeah. He just, like, stands in the corner and is so sad yeah. about this woman that he loves. It's actually incredible. Like, poor baby. Like, you know what I mean? Men would kill, literally kill, to be with someone who looked like Barbara Stanwyck? Yeah, I mean, like, literally. no one feels bad for you, David Slade. Like, come on, man. Like, um... get it together. <laughs> but even, like, these, like the, like, the prison warden, you know, she... You know, like, um, also is very much like kind of the bootlicker of the system because she upholds these arbitrary rules and, like, just does, um, mm-hmm. just, yeah, like, creates an environment where, like, women, I mean, it's as fun as it looks, you know, these women are kind of pitted against each other and she encourages it. And then, you know, the minute it gets inconvenient for her, she's like, okay, bye. Like, right. You know, yeah. you can't, you know, you can't do, can't, like, play your records or whatever the thing is. <laughs> like, right, right. It's so, Absolutely. it's so and interesting, I it's, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's really, it's really an interesting, it's an interesting setup because, like, they're doing their best um, when she enters to desexualize her, right? Everyone, everyone wears the same thing, has this, like, matronly garb, right? Yeah. But, like, you notice, like... The characters that you like the most, like, you can't hide it. You can't hide their sexuality. Like, her and her best buddy, like, still kind of exude this sexiness. Whereas her enemy in prison, the one who's in love with David Slade, you're just like, oh, God, this chick sucks. Like, right away. Like, you just immediately get how how these women are very, very different. And that's not an easy thing to do in such a short movie, in such a short runtime. But it's, like, wildly efficient, the way this movie deals with it. I was wondering what you thought of the kind of, you know, the kind of Ocean's Eleven subplot uh, that <laughs> shows up late in the movie where it's like, I'm going to use the soap and make a copy of this key and make a map and all that stuff. Do you feel like that needed more room to breathe or do you wish that wasn't there at all? Like, what was your feeling on that? No, I was also really into it. Um, it like, kind of, it, it reminded, yeah, Ocean's Eleven, like nine to five, like that kind of thing. of just mm. like women just like, doing stuff it's like kind of fun to watch like as condescending as that sounds like it's kind of exciting to like have this whole like you know like prison break thing i i felt like it gave this movie a more of an engine of like plot and i think a lot of the sort of like the fast-paced part of it like 
really kicks up there. I wish, I mean, we were saying this movie should have been longer. Like, I think if the movie had been longer, that would have, I think, landed more efficiently. And I think this movie would be, like, more of a, like, capital C classic and, like, more well-remembered than I think it is. Considering, like, neither of us had even heard of it until we, like, happened to see it on, like, Wikipedia. Um, And I, I... or I, mean, I guess I shouldn't speak for you. I never heard of this movie until it came up for us. Oh no, but, no idea. Um, nope. But yeah, I, I think that like I wish there was more to it, and I wish it were a little more like engaging with sort of the fun side characters we had seen in the prison ward. You know, like the right, other right. the other inmates there. Yeah, I mean, I like it in. I like the idea of it, I guess. Uh, The execution feels a little rushed. It feels a little sloppy. Like, it's just, you know, right in front of this woman. Like, here's my favorite key. (laughs) And it's like, oh, oh, okay, come on. Like, really? Uh, And you're right. You meet all these, like, cool women in the prison, and you feel like, oh, there's so much room here to grow. Like, you could easily make this movie into an hour and a half, and it could be really, really fun, you know? But what did you think of the end of the movie? Because the end of the movie is really interesting to me because, like, she basically comes after Slade. She shoots him. Um, and then – but they still end up kind of adhering to the, like uh, – to the expected, right? They end up, quote, unquote, falling in love and getting married or announcing their engagement. So how did you take the end of this movie? Um, I thought it was pretty iconic how – she shoots him and he's like, um, no big deal. Let's get married. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about bottom energy. Good yeah, lord. Yeah, right? Like... Like... <laughs> and can I be really annoyed? <laughs> yes. You know, if you want to take things on a Freudian level, <laughs> you know, uh... like, um, she, in a sense, penetrates him with the bullet yeah you know and he still is like deeply in love with her and wants to marry her and i think it's almost the like culmination of his sort of pursuit of her not as a stalker like we see in a lot of these romance movies where it's like you know like he's not after her in sort of this like gotta have her way but only because she keeps denying him and he's like that's part of the allure you know and right. then because and also i think he's also attracted to her criminal you know past because it's like very oh, yeah. sexy and dangerous um and i think when he when she shoots him it almost like makes him love her even more because it's like kind of officially she's the like the top in their relationship. And I yeah. don't think they're gonna have this like patriarchal marriage. Like I don't think she's gonna like go home oh, and be she's high. gonna run that yeah. shit. She's gonna run it. She's gonna continue yep. being a criminal probably and he's gonna look the other way. <laughs> yep. Um, Absolutely. And I think that like um if you know, if we kind of read this movie as I think, yeah, like, in some ways it's almost a exaggeration of this sort of patriarchal thing of, like, okay, she, he reformed her, now she'll get married. I, if anything, it's an exaggeration of that. And I don't think it's meant to be taken as, like, you know, at face value. Or, right, um, you know yeah, I mean? absolutely. Well, what I do you think? Like the, yeah. 
I, no, I agree, and I also think I love that the movie kind of ends with her making a fool not only out of him, but of all these men. Yeah. Like, tricking yeah. the police one last time and being like, gotcha. And then she's off to, like, and who knows, maybe they don't even get married. Like, maybe maybe, maybe after after things die down a little bit, she's like, uh, fuck this guy, this guy sucks. I'm going to go on the run again. Like, it would not surprise me in the least if she left that dude at the altar. Uh, as he deserves, because he sucks. <laughs> and I like the fact that, like, all through the movie, even though there are tender scenes between them, it's all, like, what can you do for me in this moment? It's not really about love for her. It's yeah. about love for him, right? So he writes all the love letters, he pines, he burns, and she's like, yeah, all right, for now. Right, right. And I, I, just, I just think, I mean... I am like mad at myself that I haven't seen more Barbara Stanwyck movies now after seeing this. Like I was like, I am very into this. Like I gotta, I gotta start, uh, start renting some more of her movies because I am, I am way ready for this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I really um, could not, could not encourage you more to do that because I think it's a, um, yeah, I think she is like one of the coolest stars. I mean, not that I'm this expert. I mean, I really haven't seen a lot of her movies, but... I mean, she, compared to me, yeah. more than two. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Yeah, especially, I mean, I would love to see more of her work in this pre-code era, because I bet it's going to be very similar to this, where she's really challenging, you know, heterosexual or heteronormativity. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what do you think we've learned uh, from watching Ladies They Talk About? I think movies like this from this era, which are really very challenging to the, like, it's, I don't want to say that they're almost more, like, push they push the envelope more than movies do now, but I think there's something totally missing in movies today that, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, like ladies they talk about to me put in really sharp relief of just like we don't really get this kind like not that we don't ever get it i mean we do you know it's kind of elizabeth moss's whole thing but like um (laughs) not to shade her but like i you know she kind of does this thing but like it's just like we just i don't know i just feel like there's something missing in Mm-hmm. movies today that just have this sort of level of this like challenge you know i really yeah i really don't see as often as i think like this was just a normal like b movie that just like one of a million right that came out during this time like i feel like Great. if you watch more movies like this they would all be have, doing interesting things with gender sexuality you know hetero, heterosexuality i really think that there is like you know this pre-code era just like had this element of like let's just like kind of like burn the house down yeah absolutely yeah i totally agree with that um for me it it actually taught me not to not to judge a movie based on its genre um i think like i have to i have to admit to you when i first picked this all i knew was like oh you know the first women's prison picture and part of me was a little bit worried like oh boy because uh, like when i when i hear women's prison uh i don't think of something that's empowering Right. It's usually so gazy that it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but this like I would say, I mean, I might say like in terms of the older movies we've watched, maybe the one of the most empowering, like kind of almost raw, raw movies that we've seen. 
So you can have that queer subtext. You can have a genre that you feel like in general is not super respectful towards women or towards people of color or towards LGBTQ people. And yet sometimes they can kind of sneak in a kind of cool message in here that's not so obvious. And I think I think this is a perfect example of that, of not like judging, not judging a book by its cover, not judging yeah. a movie before you see it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so glad that I got to go into this totally blind. Like I, I had a great time. So me fantastic. too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was really, really great movie. Actually, I kind of regret renting it and not buying it because I probably would. I don't know how many times I'd watch it, but like definitely a movie that I would love to like return to at some point. I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I was, I bought it and I was worried like, Oh, am I going to watch this again? And I got like 20 minutes into it. I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely watching this again. Yeah, there is yeah. no question. It's so great. I mean, at All right. So now <laughs> that's right. That's right. Where's the criterion of this? Let's do this. Um, so now we move of course to the Russo test. Um, so first the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual and or trans. So where do you, where do you stand on this? I think it's closer to a pass than The Old Dark House uh, because Mm -hmm. I think there were a lot of characters in the prison who Mm -hmm. I think it was more than coded queer. I think it was almost like, you know, they were waving lesbian pride flags around. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, especially we kind of made a joke of it, especially the like the lady who likes to wrestle. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty clean. Yeah, they're not they're not messing around there. So I think, yes, it passes the first. Um, all right. So here's where maybe we get into a little trouble. Um, the character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, and I'm trying to think if there is like we we did mention like some of these kind of side characters but do you think there's any like because I think the only way this one qualifies is if there's like a either a lead or a supporting character that could be identified um, yeah. as lesbian, gay, bisexual. Do you think there is? I mean, that friendship in the prison is questionable, but I don't know that it's coded enough that we can say like that. That is actually a gay relationship that they just didn't go into. Yeah, I think hmm. this is this is hard. This is the hard one. Uh I think it's like scrapes by, but maybe mm. it might be more of a stretch. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. I think the way that they portray that relationship, though, it's something closer than friendship. And you don't have to have a sex scene to have a character like you feel like there is a same-sex attraction and you can identify I them as cool. like there was a charge there. Yes, um, and and yeah. you. I find it interesting that her best friend character is never interested in any men. Yeah, really. Yeah, like I think, and I think that's done purposefully. Like I, so I think it passes, but it's close, right? Um, so the third is this LGBT character must be tied into the plot into such a way that their removal would have a significant effect, and I think this is closer than I thought it would be before I read this out loud because I'm wondering. If you remove that character, does a lot change for for the plot of the movie? Well, isn't I mean that's that's the reason why she gets her privileges taken away and she can't see mm, David. That's right? true. Yeah, but that's that a good character. Just wouldn't need to be queer, but like kind of, I don't know. I hmm. This is this is tough. This is really tough. 
Yeah, I think this is another one for me that scrapes by because I think the kind of, you know, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Because yeah. the, the the end of that third rule is not only that it would have a significant effect, but it says meaning that they're not there simply to provide colorful commentary, urban authenticity, or to set up a punchline. And I think she's more than that. No, yeah, I think yeah, she matters sure. more than that. And, and you bringing up this idea that, like, she never would have gotten in trouble and the maybe the plot doesn't change dramatically but the plot extends because of her right right because she yeah. loses those privileges she can't meet with david and everything kind of goes downhill yeah. a little bit and goes sideways and right. so yeah surprisingly i think this one passes the russo test which i did not see coming uh when we first started watching this movie yeah no i um, I agree. I, th- I, th- I think it passes. Um, we can give it maybe an asterisk of like passes for the time. Yes, know? yes. Uh, but I, I think I think there was definitely some something going on behind the scenes, and I think for sure, you know, I th- I, I would give it, I would give it a pass because I th- I think it really does a lot more for representation than you know the old Dark House does. Definitely. Yeah. So this was, I think, overall, uh, ladies, they talk about was just kind of a wonderful surprise uh, for both of us that we didn't we didn't know we were going to watch this. And then we ended up kind of falling into it and both kind of loving it. And it passes the Russo test. Who knew? Uh, So. So, yeah, so now we made it through 1933. um, And in our next episode, we go a little go a little fancier uh, with our next movie. Our next movie was actually nominated for Best Picture. Um, the gay divorcee uh, in uh, in 1934. So look forward to that, and that is readily available all over the place. So feel free to rent that and check that out before our next episode. Uh, but until then, uh, Manish, how can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at the Manish89, um, and also my podcast It Pod to Be You. You can find that at It Pod to Be You. Uh, David, where can people find you? Well, you can find me um, at Darn That Dave on Twitter, and I'd mentioned that other podcast, that like Academy Awards podcast before. So, if you want to take a listen to that, I do that with my friend Andrew. Uh, so, it's an American and an Australian talking about uh, award-winning movies, and it's just at Awards Don't Pod. So, go ahead and check that out. And um, all right, and you can of course follow us on Twitter at Queer and Now Podcast.